This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. If you can get a thousand people to buy your product, you have a business. Let's see it. Go for it. Start something small. Go, 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 but start. You don't take a step forward, you're never going to get down the road. But I also think there's that element of reality. Stop looking at all these brands with blue check marks thinking, oh my God, that's going to be me in a year. No, it's not. Just be as realistic as you can when you're starting a business because I think that was my problem. When I started it, I was like, I have my vision board. I look at it now and I was like, we're going to have 40 million in one year. Let me just tell you, we didn't come close to that. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today is Wednesday, and it definitely feels like the most Monday Wednesday which I guess is kind of nice because it's not Monday. So that means that there's a few extra or there's like way less days of the week to work. Like tomorrow's already Thursday, which practically is like a weekend. I feel like like Thursday night, I get so excited for the weekend. So, I mean, I guess it's good, but I feel like I am drowning in stress and so overwhelmed. So that's not a lot of fun, but, but I have a really great episode for you. Um, But before we dive into what this episode is about, uh, this past weekend was a long one, hence why I said today's Wednesday and it feels like it's a Monday. Um, Fourth of July was this past weekend and I just love a good long weekend. I love a summer holiday where you can go and lay on the beach and it's so much fun, but it definitely gives me like intense Sunday scaries. It's like the long weekend scaries that I get or Sunday scaries times two because I feel like, oh my God, I have so much I need to do and it's already Tuesday because I didn't work on Monday. Does anyone else feel like that? I need to know like your productivity hacks. Do you do to-do lists? Do you do the reminders on your phone? Like what do you do? Because I need to know. I feel so many times that I like things are slipping through the cracks. Maybe I should do a whole episode on productivity. I feel like I should bring in like a to-do list hacker or like a, a pro at productivity. Like I need like an end my let on and I need to do something like an episode on that because that would be amazing and it'd be good, such a good like kick in the butt for me, which today's episode is kind of like that. It was like an hour therapy session for me. I'm not going to lie. I always say that podcasting is like that and I'm usually referring to my intros, but this guest, this guest, you guys are going to leave listening to this episode feeling so inspired. You're going to feel so inspired. You're going to feel like, like it's just, it's just the push that you need to be motivated and to start whatever it is that you've been putting off. And I think it's such a good episode. So Sabrina Zohar is the founder of software, not to be confused with software. That is, you know, the technology term, but soft feeling soft and then wear w-e-a-r a good play on words which we love here at the real real um but she's the founder of software which is an athleisure company that is made locally ethically and sustainably in la uh software was started actually out of a desire for something better and through some of the hardships that sabrina has faced it's her story is really really incredible so sabrina was coasting through life pretty much you know unhappy at her job really was not like happy with what she was doing 
And one day she just woke up and was like, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to start doing yoga. And I love when people just instantly make changes because I feel like that impulsive nature is something that is usually found in entrepreneurs. But I think it's also found like when you're so desperate for a change and you just get up and you start like, you're like, I'm just going to reinvent myself or I'm just going to do something different or I'm just going to like give up something cold turkey and I'm just going to make a change. And I feel like that is one of the most powerful things that you can do. So she just got up one day and was like, I'm going to start doing yoga every single day. So she started doing that. She, it was like, it was a total game changer for her. And that, even though it had nothing to do with her job, really changed her outlook on life. So even though she was unhappy with her job, she assumed that she would be working like in the wholesale fashion industry for a really long time. But that all changed in 2017 when her mom actually went to the doctor with a headache and it turned out to be six brain aneurysms. It's incredible that her mom even survived that she was given like three to five percent chance of survival she was given not a long time to live like it was she had a lot of failed procedures like it was horrible it's like the worst news that you could possibly get and during those months her mom was really uncomfortable in her hospital clothes she wanted basic comfy clothes which thus sparked the idea of software. There's so much that goes into it besides that little sentence that I just said. So you need to listen to really hear about how she decided to start, how she decided to make a change. I think it's it's really, really inspiring and it gives you chills. Like when I was, I was like tearing up and like it gave me chills when she was just describing the situation to me. And it, it was just a very, very, very inspiring story that she she was telling me but it wasn't a story it was her actual life so sabrina is an absolute hustler she invested in the company herself she bought out her co-founder she paved the way to get herself into retail stores she i mean she mentions it is the hardest thing she's ever done and breaking into the fashion industry is not easy but she gives you actual tangible tips not only for the fashion industry but just going after something and changing your life and it's such a good episode like i when I was, it's one of those episodes when, when you're recording, you're like, oh my God, I cannot wait for people to listen to it because it helped me out a lot. I've been going through, like I said, a lot of stress. I've been feeling really down on myself lately. And this episode put things in perspective and it kind of gave me that like kick in the butt that I needed. So today's episode, we dive into real honest advice to break through the fashion industry, pros and cons of working with a business partner, because like I said, she did buy out her business partner stress coping mechanisms when you are a solopreneur and tips for new founders to stop stalling and start doing. Which you guys know my favorite saying, it's just do it. Like whenever people ask me for advice on how to start a business, the number one thing I always say is you just need to start. So we definitely talk about that in today's episode. But anyways, I don't want to take up any more of your time because I need you guys to listen to this. So please welcome Sabrina to The Real Real. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. 
Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz-free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Sabrina. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Really excited to chat. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into it. But the first thing we're going to start out with is setting the record straight. So this is where I say some assumptions, stereotypes. You let me know your thoughts on them and if you think they're true or not. So the first one is that imposter syndrome is a constant battle. 100% true. Yeah. I know you talk about that that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know that you mentioned that a lot and it's something that I resonate with in terms of like feeling it. What do you think contributes to it? Like, what do you think is the reason we have imposter syndrome? Honestly, I think it's more rampant now because of social media and it's like the face that we're all wearing. You know, we all have this mask on and you look at social media and you see a brand, let's say, like at least for me, and I'm sure for you in your world of like the podcast or influencers or whatever it is, you look and it's like the grass always looks greener when you're seeing it. And so then you instantly come back and you're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing enough. It's that like, toxic productivity, I think is, is a really good way to put it. And especially us like being New Yorkers and coming from a a place where if you're sleeping for more than four hours a night, like you're not doing it right. 
And I think we just see so many people, especially our age, that are so much more advanced than, you know, the, the social norms of like, we should have this by our age, and we should have this, that it constantly makes you feel like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm not doing enough. We don't actually know the reality behind a lot of these situations. It can look really shiny and like, a brand can then close a week later because they actually don't have any money. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a lack of authenticity that really drives us all to feel a lot lonelier and a lot more as if we're the only ones going through it. A friend of mine posted the other day, like your business is a direct reflection of your mental state. So if your mental state's not good, your business isn't good. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's a load of shit. But then of course, that will then come back onto you being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God, I'm wearing my mom's shoes and I'm trying to clunk around the house and be a big girl, but I'm not. And I think it's also because a lot of us, we kind of like, especially with social media, creating careers and creating companies, none of us know what we're doing. We have no idea. We're taking pasta and constantly throwing it up against the wall. So I think that's facilitating for this overarching imposter syndrome because none of us have any idea what we're doing. Yeah. I could not agree more. And I think hearing you say that makes not only me feel better, but I hope anyone listening feel better because I do think that sometimes when you're looking at the outside or you're, you're someone that's like following people, you think like, oh my God, like I could never do what they're doing. Like, how do they do that? When in reality, we don't know what we're doing either. And I always try to talk to other founders because it makes me feel so much better realizing yeah. like, oh, thank God. Like I'm not alone. Like I feel like, am I just like, dumb? Am I not figuring this out? Am I going to fail because I don't know how to do this? And then I'll talk to other people that I look up to and they're kind of in the same boat or they were in the same boat. And I feel so much better. So I'm hoping that at least that resonates with people listening because it is hard when you're comparing yourself on social media because no one's going to share when they don't know what they're talking about because they have to look good or else like people aren't going to trust you. Or if you're raising money, like, Oh, what are investors going to think? Or what are my customers going to think? Or you just don't want to look like you don't know because you want to have this image of like, no, I know what I'm doing and I'm an expert and I'm good. But really that's not the case like 95% of the time. Oh yeah. If if not a hundred, I remember when COVID hit and I did rock bottom and I was like, wow, that's it. You know, like I think all this went into this scared, what the hell are we going to do with our lives and businesses and everything. And I made a post online of like, here's the reality of what I'm going through. And it was a very vulnerable, like all out there post. And I could not believe it was like hundreds of comments of people being like, oh my God, same. And I remember my dad called me and my dad is very like old school. It's very, don't show anything, you know, like don't show emotion. You don't tell people when you're struggling. And he called me and he was like, no one wants to hear about your hard times. Tell everybody everything's amazing because that's what they want to hear. And I was like, you know what, dad, I got to respectfully disagree. And I realized within that moment is when I started becoming more transparent of like, hey, by the way none of us know what we're doing. You want to say smoke and mirrors. It's like software might look like a multi-bajillion dollar company on the outside. And it's like, Hey, you're talking to the one person who takes care of everything. Because I think if you're authentic and you're vulnerable, people will be able to relate to you and your company as opposed to, Oh my God, I'm living my best. Like, I don't believe anyone that says they're living their best life. You know what I mean? I, no, you're not. We're, we're all struggling with mental health and with imposter syndrome. So I, I'm hopeful that our conversation will allow people to realize like we're all in the same boat together. And it does actually make me feel better knowing that you're going through it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there needs to be more of that. I respectfully disagree with your dad as well. I think totally. there needs to be a lot more sharing and a lot more transparency because you can feel so alone and isolated. And I think it stops people from doing what they want to do because yeah. they're scared that they don't know enough or 
what if they fail and that like stops people because they don't see examples of people that are struggling. So I, totally. I actually think it's great that you're sharing it. Thanks, man. And the next one is that you never feel ready to start a business. That's also true. It's the same as like this whole, I compare a lot of things to dating. You will see along with our conversation, a lot of the parallelisms because I'm, I'm very single in LA. And it's the same as like all this nonsense that you see all over social media of like, you have to be healed in order to be in a relationship and you can't do something until you're here. That is such a load of shit. It is because you, first of all, you heal in a relationship. You can only heal with people. And it's the same as starting a business. I started software, which I'm sure we'll get into. But when I started this company, let me tell you the last thing I ever thought was I was going to start this company. There was never a, I'm ready. And, oh, I feel confident. I have had a prove it mentality for my entire existence of 32 years on this planet. I have always been, I have to prove it to other people. I have to prove it to my family. I have to prove it to my friends. I have to show them that I'm good enough and I have to show them that I can do it. And so that was always a, okay, but you're not ready yet. Okay, you're not ready yet. And it was a scarcity mindset of like, no, 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 you can't do it yet. I think personally, if you have an idea, if you have the means, the idea, and the at least know how how to do it and you can do it, go ahead. There is no waiting for the perfect moment is going to pass you by. At the end of the day, you'll learn a lesson if you're not ready to start it, but it will also help you grow in ways I personally didn't ever think I would be where I'm at along my journey had I not started this company and eaten shit for the last four years doing it. Mm -hmm. And I also think there's never a perfect time in the sense of like, what's your perfect time? Like, what checklist are you looking to accomplish? Right. Because it's never going to happen. You're never going to know everything because you learn by doing. You can listen to a million podcasts and read a ton of books and watch Shark Tank and like all of these shows and, and whatever you want to do. But until you actually do it, you are not going to know anything about starting a business. Like it's the same, it's the same with kids. It's the same with yeah. having kids. Like we could watch everything until that. Like I have a dog. Everyone and their mother gave me advice on a puppy. Nothing applied until I had the puppy. And I was like, oh shit. This is what it's like. Yeah. So you can definitely take learning lessons, which I'm sure you have with starting a podcast and learning along the way, but you don't know until you're bitten in the butt what actually what it means. And then that's how you learn a lesson and grow because people can tell you all day. Exactly. And then the last <laughs> one is that you need a business plan to start a business. No. Well, okay. <laughs> Double-edged sword. I will say I am a college dropout. Like wear that with a badge of honor. It was not for me. I actually failed my PE class, which is the most comical thing because I'm so active. But I've done my PE class and I was just like, yeah, whatever. I got a job. I, I just didn't want to be bothered anymore. And when I started the company, I had a business partner and he was like, oh, don't worry. We, we don't need any of that stuff. I think what a business plan does is it allows you, if you are not clear on your vision and you're not clear about exactly your steps, where you want to go, what you want to do, things like that. You know, it's like journaling, you know, when you're manifesting or when you're trying to bring things into your life, if you have a very clear vision of where you want to go, you don't need to write it down all the time. But if you're not, you kind of write it to mull through ideas. Mm -hmm. I would say you can do one, but at the same time as well, like if you have an idea for a product and you understand your costs and you understand your manufacturing or whatever it is that you're going to do, it's a nice to have. It's not a need to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I sometimes think people use business plans to distract themselves or to like procrastinate because the second you actually start your business, it's going to look a lot different and that plan is going to change. So I think it's good to have something, but it doesn't need to be this extensive 20 page business plan that's listing out everything that you're going to do in the next five years, because like you have no idea the second you launch and have customers, like things are going to change. So I agree. 
with you on that, that it's like a nice to have. And especially if you have like a clear vision, then it's not the most necessary. Like, I don't think it should prevent you from starting or it should like delay you much longer. I think it's a crutch. It's like what we were talking Mm -hmm. about. If you don't think you're ready, you're like, oh, well, I don't have my business plan. I can't do it. It's like, just go for it. Like take the risk, take the leap. At the end of the day, what I've learned along this journey is you're, when's the last time any of us were homeless or out Mm -hmm. on our luck or didn't have food or a place to live? The universe, God, whatever you believe in, the higher powers than us, because you're a narcissist, if you don't believe that there's anything above us, the higher powers that be will always take care of you if you truly believe that. And you always, we always have been, none of us are in a place of destitute, even after all these crazy things that are going on in the world. So to kind of wait, 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 I think it's just a crutch. And I think it's just prolonging the inevitable versus just doing it and learning along the way. Like I consider this kind of my MBA. Like I didn't need to go to school, learning so much more than I ever in college. I would fight with all my professors. I was always fighting with bosses and being like, I just don't think that's how it works. You'll figure it out when you do it. Yeah, it's definitely the best MBA you can get. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So how did you start software? Explain what it is, but how did you come up with the idea of that like athleisure, comfortable clothing? company. So software is an athleisure line that's made now 100% LA. So being American made is incredibly important to me, keeping it local. I'm the first generation American in my family. And I wanted to be able to support our local manufacturing and do something a little bit different. Ethically made and sustainable is a huge part of the business as well. It's something that I think is, it's our future. It's where we're going. And it all kind of started because I was working in fashion. So I moved to New York when I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at 19 to go to acting school and was like, this is not for me. So I went to fashion school, started working in wholesale. And at the time, I this is 2016, I was like the worst version of myself. I was a pack-a-day smoker. I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety. I was overweight. I was miserable. I was coasting through life and just not mentally in a good space. And I worked for a job that I hated. It was selling $50,000 gowns. Like it was a world that I could never relate to and understand. And Scott, one day I just cut it all cold turkey. and was like, that's it. We're going we're to make a change. And I started doing yoga. That made me realize, okay, the health and wellness space is something that I love. And it literally changed my life. Software, honestly, was never a blip on my screen. I thought at the time, I was like, you know what? I'll just work for another active brand. I'll just do it like, you know, sales. I was in wholesale. I'll just do sales for somebody else and I'm not going to own my own company. And it wasn't until this was May 2017, my mom, who's like my best friend, and like I talked to her 7,000 times a day, she went to the doctor with a headache and she's super spiritual. And she called me while I was at work. And I remember she said, Spring, my head hurts. And I was like, it's all in your head, mom. And I was right because she had six brain aneurysms that corroded the top half of her vessel. And not only were they like, they were connected to the vet, there was nothing they could do essentially. It was the worst case any other doctors had seen. And at this point, people were wondering how she even survived this long without having a problem. So at the time, my boss told me if I went home, it was job abandonment because my mom didn't need me yet. What? Yeah. And so I told him to go f- themselves and I walked out and was like, I'm out. And I had enough savings to like kind of get me through a couple of months. You know, New York, like you don't want to be jobless in Manhattan. So I went down to stay with my mom in Florida. And that was when I just started to realize a lot of the holes. Like she was treated like sometimes it brings me to tears because she always says that software made her feel like a person, not a patient. And it was so profound for me to realize the impact I even had on her. But being down there and realizing like she was in the hospital, she had needles in her head. She, there was always like something going on and she was so uncomfortable. And she was always, oh, she was, oh, you could see her tugging at her clothes. And she, cause she was 
very visually uncomfortable. And, and she also then felt like a child. She's like, everything was like uncomfortable on her skin or why are there stars and like a big logo? She's like, man, I just want something basic. And at the time, this was about a four month period of 12 doctors in the country having literally no clue what they were going to do. And so not only did she have that, she had two dissections on the neck. So she had two clots. So if they went up through the leg and put a catheter, it would have broken off and caused a stroke. She would have died immediately. So there was literally a like, hmm. They gave her a three to 5% chance of even surviving, let alone living a normal life and not being paralyzed. At the time, I started working for an athleisure brand, signed my apartment in Brooklyn, was like, okay, gave my mom a bunch of the stuff from this company. And that was it. It was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But it was shedding. She would literally get up. It was to the point where her doctor asked us not to wear these anymore because he was like, you guys are leaving fuzzes all over my office. That's what sparked me to go, okay, we've got to do something here. And I was working with a bunch of clients. A lot of clients were starting to say, man, why does sustainable and you know made in America have to cost $300? And this brand was mm -hmm. very expensive. The investor ended up closing the company, embezzling the money. All my checks bounced. I was on my ass. And I was like, couldn't get a job. I was overqualified, underqualified. And brand new apartment. Mom had no idea what was going on. Her investor asked me to come up with a new plan. So I came up with software with my sister of like, what's missing in the market? And identifying every time I did market and like sales and, you know, meetings, people, brands would have thousands of pieces. I had a brand that had 1500 pieces in a collection. People always went for the same five, you know, like wow. you'd always see the same, here's our best sellers, here's our best sellers. So I was like, okay, what can I do? Let's make the best of it. The best tank, the best hoodie, the best pant. You only need one. You really don't need that many. And I conceptualized it. Her investor said he didn't want to do it. And my friend came to me and was like, why don't we do it? And I was like, that's what? I don't know what I'm doing. There's no way. And mom went in for her final surgery. She didn't want any of us there. She only wanted my sister and my nephew. And I remember I was sitting in my bed thinking like, this could be the last time I ever talked to my mom. Mm -hmm. And two hours later, I got a photo of her in the hospital bed like this with two thumbs up. They created a coil that worked. The universe, the, the, the clouds lined and mom was going to be okay. And she's completely fine. And I called my partner and I started the company the next day. Wow. Wow. Do you think it's because you realized like, this is working like that was like a sign for you to kind of go after it or why do you think it was then when you decided to start it honestly I think I was sick and tired of being sick and tired you know like mm -hmm. I was I was like my mom my best friend and the woman that I literally like the second anything happened she's the first person is going to be okay and all I could think about was this woman cannot have gone through all of this and been such an inspiration and a rock to me, for me to then just be miserable and coasting at another job. I knew I had to do something that I was passionate about and that I loved. I had no idea that this was going to be it, but I felt that it was something I could at least give back to other people, other people. And I, I mean, to this day, I cry when I get those emails of like, my mom was in the hospital and this was all she wore. And like a, a, one of my good friends was like, my mom wore your pullover literally until she died. And I was like, I I couldn't even, you know, muster up the courage to speak. But even during COVID, when everything was happening and I was tie dyeing, it was like all thing. People would write to me saying, "Feels like the hug that I can't get from my family," and that's literally what keeps me going every day. Is that it's something different. I saw a very clear hole in the market. I had clients. I had the market that I was after in the athleisure and like fitness mm -hmm. category. And you know what? It was that same thing we talked about of like not being ready and just going. You know what? Let's just do it. What's the worst that can happen? I have to close? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that mentality of what's the worst that can happen? Because honestly, what is the worst that can happen? Like you shut down your business, you move on to something else, you learn a lot of life lessons along the way. Like there's a lot of good that can come out of it and not as much bad. Of course, this is assuming that you're not pouring your entire like life savings into something. Right. 
But still, at the end of the day, like, I I always think it's better to start than kind of like stall and always regret it. And I don't think you have to start with that big of an investment. Like, how did you start? Like, what was your first step? Because I think people think, oh, my God, the first step is like the final product where the first step is you just research, you talk to people, you figure out how do I set this up? Like, what? Let me talk to manufacturers. Let me talk to, you know, I feel like that is the first step, just the research portion of it. But people think it's like, oh, you have to put in like $100,000 and that's going to be the first step when I, I totally disagree with that. Yeah, I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. I knew that I wanted to do men's and women's. So I identified my, at the time, my ex was a men's health editor. So he was able to help us figure out like, hey, man, this is what I see every day. I see hoodies all the time, but I'd never see something fitted. I never see something tailored. I never see something just truly basic. It's always some kind of something on it. Let's start there. And it, yeah, 100%, it started with the fabric. I started with something that I felt instead of what I see a lot, especially with clothing, is people will buy blanks. They'll go to a company and go, oh, here's 20 options you can choose. And they'll be like, okay, I'll take this hoodie and this pant and just put my label in it. Then you're just another, first of all, it's not sustainable. You're just another brand on the market. And like you said, you poured a lot of money. The biggest mistake I see is this, like, I'm going to pour a hundred K into influencer marketing. And you're like, no, 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 no. Come back here. Start small. Do not do that. And I can't tell you how many brands have closed. I can't tell you because you put it all into inventory and that, and then you're out of money and you're like, well, what are we going to do now? You have to close because no investor is going to come and give you money on a business that's not profitable. Nobody wants to deal with that anymore. So for me, it was started with the fabric and it mushroomed from there. We knew we had this fabric and it had a lot of issues with it because of the shedding. So I started there and I had to figure, it took me nine months to figure out, I had to call 50,000 people to figure out who could even use the yarn because we use a sustainable yarn that only people approved in the United States can use. So I had to find someone. Then we had to work together to figure out how do we get this to stop shedding? It was about the weave and how we were able to do it. Then I got my samples made. And then the pattern maker in, in New York had his brother that worked at a factory. Then we went to the factory. And it, like you said, we had progression in state steps. And I took a loan from my family and I had paid back. We were completely like, we owe nothing. We had a credit card and a loan. And how I started was I had orders. I had, I had Amazon, I had Bloomingdale's. I had like 30 different stores because I pounded that pavement. And I went into everybody you could meet. Hey, can I talk to the buyer? Hey, can I talk to the owner? And I would show them the product and I let it speak for itself. And I was collecting orders. That way I was able to go to my family and say, look, we have $120,000 of orders. I need the money to be able to facilitate this. We didn't even have enough to make our first production run. We were like 30,000 short. So I had to sell, pay him back, sell. It was like doing that for up until COVID. And then when COVID hit, I started hand tie dyeing everything. And then that's when we were able to pay all loans back. I bought my business partner out and was able to focus now on what's selling minimizing the collection. And the number one piece of advice is stop making so much, make a few things and a couple of colors and sell those really well and get a proof of concept. You do a two or $3 million from a couple of pieces, then you can start adding, but don't start adding, adding, adding. You're going to, you're going to mess yourself up with inventory. and You're never going to have any cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and people get excited for the new things. So they want to continue to add because they're like, oh, well, I have this idea, I have this idea, I have this idea. Like it can be considered boring, quote unquote, to only have like one or two staples. But 
like you said, if the goal is to be cash positive and to be profitable, that's the better way to do it. It's more sustainable. You have, you're sitting on less inventory. Like I think it's so much better to start out with like a hero product pretty much than having, you know, a whole line of things that no one really wants. And then also I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to show people what they want. You have to be like, Mm -hmm. here is what you need to order. We only have five things to choose from. It's really easy. When I see a website that has like a hundred things on it, I get overwhelmed and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. So I think that in the beginning to get like trust with your brand, that's such a good idea. And I like that you mentioned that it took you nine months because some people like we're going back to what we're talking about with social media, people don't show that, you know, you announced probably when you launch and you didn't see the research, the idea, like I have an app so that my business is a software company, a little different than software, but (laughs) same, same, but different. Yeah. And when I first had the idea, it was like a year and a half before I launched it was the idea because it took so long to find people to help me find a team, come up with the idea, come up with what our like MVP is going to be. When are we going to announce this? What's going to be our business plan? There was so much that I had to do before it actually launched, but people didn't really see all of that. You know, like I tried to bring people along the journey with me, but at the end of the day, it's still a filtered journey and you don't actually see like the very beginning of it. So I really like that you mentioned that because some people think it's like an overnight thing. Like you have an idea and then a month later you have the product in your hands. Oh my God, I wish. I, my mom's surgery was November, 2017. That's when I said, I'm going to do it. We launched November, 2018. Took me a solid year to get everything organized, my orders, everything, the fabric, manufacturing, the money, all of those variables. And then when we launched, we had money. So we were launching just, here's our website with that was built off like some silly string and glue that was like being held together. And it was a, let's see what happens. And that's why I went for wholesale first, because one, it's money. You're getting paid the second you give the product. It's free marketing. Somebody is, it's tactile for us. We're very soft. So you have to see the product to really experience it fully. And it was just a no brainer, of course. Like now we're out in the wild. But for people that are trying to just go D to C, I'm like, Oof, you got to crawl before you can walk and understand. Yeah, most of the bigger brands that you see now, when you see like, oh, wow, they're blowing up, peel back the layers. I've had to do this because of the grass is always greener aspect. Then you look and you're like, wait a minute, this brand's been going for 10 years. They're just yeah. now getting traction. It's not a anybody of those Instagram brands that like blow up. It's like, well, if you have an influencer behind it that has a million followers, sure, great, congratulations. But for the average person that's a nobody that's just trying, It'll take you a solid five years just to even feel like you have your your bearings. Mm-hmm. Then you can start focusing on the growth of the brand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, did, how did you market it at first? Was it through your retailers? Yeah, everything was organic. I did events. I bought my business partner out in 2020 during COVID. And so now it's just been me. And I knew the importance of community. I knew how important building a solid foundation was, especially in New York, where people like people will support because we were made in New York for a long time. So I started with yeah my wholesale accounts. I started the Instagram a year before we even launched so I could start getting people like ready. And it was up until COVID, it was all wholesale. And then when COVID hit, I was like, I thought I, I thought that was it. I thought it was going to close the company because I had $200,000 of inventory that was dead stock. Nobody wanted it. It was all these, the same colors. I had a business partner that wanted, he moved, he wanted to have a kid. He was just done. He didn't care about building a brand. And I was like, that's it. And so my friend was like, you should try tie-dye. I watched a video, got some red dye, did it in my thing. And I just started posting like photos. And my brother's a filmmaker and he said, send me some footage. I'll help you put a little video together. And I remember it was just a quick, like 20 second thing being like your favorite tie, your favorite software tie-dye custom tie-dye for free. And we sold out in two months. Melissa Wood posted, sold out of the colored way that she had overnight. 
it was just a mushroom from there. And ever since then, yeah, like we just now, what we're three and a half years in, we just started doing ads like last week. Wow, that's so incredible. Was, if you want to build a sustainable brand, not just in the literal sense, but in the actual sustainable as a brand that's going to be able to keep going and have cash flow, you have to understand that it's going to take a long time. And mm-hmm. it's hard because we're impatient. We're all millennials. We want like, yeah. let's go. Yeah, no, I agree. And I know you mentioned that you bought your business partner out. Do you recommend starting a company with a business partner? Do you recommend being a solo founder? It depends. Like what was that process okay. like for you? And what would you have done differently? I would say I'm happy I started with him because he helped me get everything organized. I will say though, there are a lot of really shitty business partners out there. Like I've heard mm-hmm. some horror stories and he luckily he was, you know, he was cool. It's just, like I said, he didn't care about he to him. He looked at it as, oh, we'll get a couple of clients that are going to buy a bunch of stuff and that's it. And it's like, well, that's not how a brand works. This is going to take time. The best piece of advice he ever gave was when we started the company, he said, let's have an exit plan. And I was like, well, why? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's like getting married when you have a prenup. You got to yeah. protect yourself when you get out because it's all fine and dandy until it's not anymore. And then once the shit at the fan and we were not agreeing on anything. It was, you want to be bought out? Done. Here's your money. I get my equity back, moved up, signed the contract. The next day I sent them the check and we moved on with our lives Yeah, because you have to be ready. So if you have a business partner, it's the same as, again, it's the same as getting married. Do they have the same ethics and morals? And do they have the same vision as you? Do they see, like, I have a, a meeting for lunch with a friend after this, who's leaving his company now because the business partner and him do not see eye to eye after five years. They don't have the same idea. But I don't think it's a regret. I think it's an amazing experience overall. Just have your exit strategy before you've even started and make sure you vet your person. Like, hey, where do you see this in one to five years, five, 10 to years? How do you want to scale? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Because all of a sudden, it's like not talking about your partner with having kids. Then you get married and the person says they don't want to. And you're like, oh, shit. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing it alone. I'm doing it alone now. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. I know. How do you handle the stress of being a founder? And like, especially because you are a solo founder now, like I have two co-founders. I could not do it without them. Like we are very, like we work really, really well together, but I don't know what I would do by myself with it. So how do you do it? And like, what things do you do to cope with stress. Cause I know you mentioned that you were into like health and wellness and like yoga and like you used to be on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicines, but now what's kind of like your coping mechanism? Therapy was the number one thing. Like I was in therapy twice a week for a long time. Now I'm down to one. I did a lot of ketamine treatments as well because I had a lot of just childhood traumas and shit that I was suppressing and scarcity mindset and fear of success more than fear of failure at the end of the day, because that was scarier to me. It's like, it, not if, what if it doesn't work, what if it does. Mm-hmm. And I think It's taken me now, I've had to be very kind to myself because when I bought my partner out, I was terrified. I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this on my own? I have no idea how to do manufacturing. You learn at the end of the day, it's like a sink or swim type thing. And I knew there was too much at stake if I didn't figure it out. And now I'm in the phase of, I just brought somebody on a couple of months ago who was a buyer of mine for years. And he really believes in the company and he really believes in the ethos and his skill set complement my skill set so he can handle all this I can handle that but I vetted for a long time I told like 20 investors no because they didn't align with my vision and every morning I meditate when I wake up I do like either a walking meditation or a laying down I work out every day for at least an hour like I have to it's for my mental state and I, I have a really amazing support system where I can I'm able to vent and cry and feel but then I think it's at some point 
you also just get to a level of like, like my mom, anytime I'll call her and I'll bitch and moan. And she's like, okay, well, you know what? Hey, Sabrina, no worries. Why don't we just close the company, liquidate, go get a job. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I see what you're doing here. And she always says, she's like, it's not easy. If it were, everybody would do it. So Mm -hmm. you have to be confident within yourself to say, well, I started this. I felt like I could do it. So I need to show up for myself. And I think that's where my mental health has taken a toll. And like, I cry all the time. It's very normal. I'm sure you do too. We all do. Like I just had a big order canceled the other day, but my faith in the universe came in and I said, you know what? That order canceled because something better is coming. I'm going to sell all those merch, all that stuff. Wholesale is going to go direct to consumer. And it's just believing. And I think once you surrender to that and realize there's only so much you could do, I can only control myself. I can't control everybody else. What's the point of allowing anxiety? Anxiety is just a fear of the future and depression is being stuck in the past. So if you stay in the present moment and realize I am doing the best I can and I'm putting one foot in front of the other and this is all I can offer, that's Mm. the only way I've really handled my mental health. And like I said, just therapy, it's crutch. You can't go into owning a business if you expect it to be easy. Yeah. When you said that you had more of a fear of success rather than failure, what does that mean exactly? Like, what are you scared about in terms of like succeeding or what it working out or because I'm sure other people feel that way, too. I think it's, you know, I came from a very unstable household where, you know, it was always one parent out. It was a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of I just don't think I'm good enough and I'm unworthy and I've done all that. And I think the fear of failure almost feels normal to us. It's like when you go on a date and the guy doesn't cheat, you're like, oh, of course he didn't. Of course it didn't work out. Of course I'm disappointed. It's comfortable. It's easy Mm -hmm. to go there. But to go, I have the confidence within myself to have done it and it worked. That is terrifying to realize you do have it within you. I think that's bigger for me of, holy shit, wait, I did this? Yeah. Little old me? Because it combats all those negative thoughts. It's a complete 180 from everything we're probably used to because it's easier to go negative than it is positive. It's easier to go, this is half empty right now versus, no, I still have plenty of water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's like where like fear of success is is sometimes terrifying for me. And I think also, I mean, society puts that on you too. Like, eh, it's not going to work out. Like, what are you doing? Like, oh my God, you can't handle it. Look how hard it is. And I think it's so much easier to think that way than to think like, oh, no, I'm going to be one of the very few people that like make it. It's like, why? Why you? You know, it's like, but the thing is, the more I've talked to people that are successful or that I view successful or that I look up to, I realize they all think that too. So I'm like, wait, why not me? Like, if they could do it, why couldn't I do it? Somebody has to, like right now, I can't say the name, but like, I'm going to do a show. And my friend kept coming. Well, you know that you might not get chosen. And you know that they drop 50% of people. You know that you might not air. I said, but somebody has to air, right? Somebody has to get it. Why can't that be me? So see, when my mom was sick, she was terrified. She was like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And we watched The Secret together. And The Secret said, it doesn't matter how you don't, it's not your business to figure out how it's going to work. You just need to believe that it will. Let the stars align. And that was the perfect example of the doctors created a coil that worked. It just happened. And she was that lucky miracle that we get to say, can you believe it? Why not? If you truly believe it in your gut. And I'm talking like, like when I was doing with the show and the prepping and everything, who knows what's going to happen? You and I could talk in six months and I could say I didn't make it on. But the whole entire time, I've never doubted it was going mm-hmm. to happen. So my steps thereafter reflected that. So if you really believe it, why can't we be the next millionaires? Somebody has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's been for me. This year has definitely been a tough year in terms of like just being a business owner. And we've gone through like a lot of ups and downs, I will say. 
And I always think like at the end of the day, it's going to work out. Like it might not work out in my time. Like I want it to happen immediately, but I know that it's going to work out. And like, there's no doubt. Like, I just don't have a doubt that it's going to work out. I'm just kind of waiting for it to, you know, I'm like waiting for that Same. to happen it's and I'm not, doing everything I can. It's not an if, it's a when. That's yes. the mentality I always have. It's not if it's going to happen. It's just when. Okay. Yep. You know what? And it's the same, again, it's the same with dating where I'll have dud after dud. And my mom's like, it's because you're getting ready for something better. And you have to really believe that. But, and it's okay to admit that you're scared. It's okay to say, oh God, it, it's terrifying. So I was looking at something, I think it was like Mel Roberts, really one of those, Mel Robbins, I mean, or one of those like influential, you know, Instagram people was saying that they interviewed like 50, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs and multi-billionaires. And they're like, guess what? the same issues we all do depression anxiety fear it's just add more zeros to their problems they just have more people that they have to account to more people more money doesn't mean that your life is any better but we all believe that it's going to happen and listen i remember when lululemon launched and people thought they were insane 98 leggings that was my first job to new york at 19 people would scoff i will never now look at that company you know <laughs> Now look what it created in the world. What's $98 now? It's nothing. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. I was like, who is paying mm -hmm. for that? And now it's like my average workout set is like 150. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, I mean, complete. because it, it was normalized. Somebody think about it. If you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. So for these brands, like especially like software, where I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to fold on what means a lot to me for the brand and the integrity of made in America and sustainable and all that. Does it cost me a lot more? three times the price than most of the other brands. I don't even, I don't want to tell you how much things cost in manufacturing for some of the big brands that we know and love. And I think it's also too, like the consumer just also needs to understand that like as a small brand, we're living on dreams, you know, like you have to support us little guys because we are literally sitting behind our computer dancing when an order comes in, not this massive conglomerate that's got, you know, all of this support under them that if they don't care about the getting your order or not. And just, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, you got to just go for it and put mm -hmm. fear aside and, and at least try. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And what advice would you have right now for a new founder that's like starting their company? Like I know you started in 2017, but like today, do you think things are different or you think things are the exact same? I think same, same, but different. My advice for any founders that are starting is like, be very clear in your vision. Know mm -hmm. exactly what you want to do. Do not try to run before you can crawl. Understand it's going to take time and keep it simple, stupid, as my teacher used to say in middle school. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. If you have a product, like a friend of mine, she's starting a product and she came and she's like, here are my three designs, but I'm also thinking of doing another. And I was like, no, no, no. stop it at the three designs. Prove of concept. Prove your concept. If you can get a thousand people to buy your product, you have a business. So let's see it. Go for it. Start something small. Go, 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 but start. You don't take a step forward, you're never going to get down the road. But I also think there's that element of reality. Stop looking at all these brands with blue check marks thinking, oh my God, that's going to be me in a year. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Unless you're, listen, unless you're very lucky, it can happen. Any of us can go viral. But to manage expectations, just knowing like take care of your mental health and just be as realistic as you can when you're starting a business. Because I think that was my problem. When I started it, I was like, I have my vision board. I look at it now and I was like, we're going to have 40 million in one year. Let me just tell you, we didn't come close to that. <laughs> and because I thought, you know, I was living on a pipe dream. And then I came back to reality to realize, oh, it's a lot harder to start a business when you have no money and you're a nobody. So I think yeah. that would be my advice is like, do it, but just please manage expectations. And I don't even think that, like, I think it's fine to dream big and for that to be a goal. But I think that it's better to be like, I want this to be a long lasting thing rather than 
oh, I just want to go viral and like sell out on my first day because maybe you're not ready for that. And like maybe you need to learn a lot before you get to that point because it's a lot easier to make mistakes when you're small than it is when you're really, really big. So I always try to think of it that way too. Like my goal is not to be the number one, you know, app for creators today. It is in five years, but today that's not my goal. You know, today my goal is to get those first thousand paid customers. That's the goal for this year. Not, I mean, it's a little more than that, but like, you know, like that's the the benchmark, not the, oh, I want to be number one immediately because we're not there yet and we're going to get there. But right now it's all about product market fit. It's all about finding our customers and delivering to those customers while we are small than like thinking of just like blowing up overnight. So I don't know. I don't even think this should be the goal when you're first starting. It's like going on a date and being like, all right, I'm gonna get married after the first yeah, night. Yeah, no, exactly. the, the goal is to get to know that person, to have a lot of great first dates. And then down the road, you'll get the marriage and the kids. Why are you rushing it? Enjoy the process, man. My friend, he had a meditation studio that was pretty small back in overseas. And, you know, he was he was struggling, but he was doing his thing. When he came here and he opened this one. It's huge. It's sad. It's got tons of money and investors and all that. And we went to lunch and I said, so how did it feel? And he was like, you know what? I missed the days and it was just me. Like, enjoy that. And I sometimes have to stop myself because I'm like, it's a Wednesday. And I'm like, I'm going to go for lunch after this. And oh, I could just do because it's just me. One day when we have investors and people that are chomping down your neck, you're going to be like, man, I miss those days when I was just like, just me pounding the pavement. So I think like, you got to enjoy the early stages. It's so much easier said than done. I say that as I'm like checking our sales. But I think it's just enjoying that process and all those little wins and like really feeling them and savoring them and imagining those big wins in that same love. Because otherwise, then you're constantly on anxiety mode of like, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we getting there? It's like, well, like you said, Instagram's not showing you all that. They're not showing you the founder packing the orders and writing the handwritten thank you cards and crying while doing so because it's so hot in the room that you could tell this is personal experience um <laughs> it's so hot in there they have no ac but they're showing you the look how much money look how big we are it's like mm-hmm. enjoy your process stay in your lane and also big thing advice for other entrepreneurs stop comparing yourself yeah. stop looking at the other brands it is a moot point you do not have what they have you are not them it doesn't matter stay in your lane I love that. And this episode came at the perfect time. Like I needed to hear this. (laughs) So this was literally the most perfect conversation I could have had right now. Um, It was meant to be that we talked today, but it was, it was great. And I also really love the analogy to dating because the more I like think about it, the more it's like, oh my God, it's literally the exact same thing. Yeah. It's the same with like, when I started the company, I had all the, if you have too many options like dating, you'll never just choose one. So narrow it down, simplify, hone in on it. And it's like, I remember Damien on Shark Tank was saying the founder of Gymshark. And he was like, he stayed with one shirt and grew that to a $5 million brand. Now they're like a $5 billion brand. Insane. It's insane, but it's like, have faith, have confidence in your product and in you and just go for it. But Mm. also understand that it's going to come with a lot of days that are not great, but the days that are, really make up for it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think this was amazing. Where can they find you? Where can they find software? Because I definitely want some. So I'm going to buy. Oh, no, I'm going to say, like, I'm going to be getting you a set. So Sabrina Dobbs-Zohar is me. And then Wear Software, W-E-A-R, Soft, W-E-A-R. They'll play on words. Wearsoftware.com or at your software on Instagram. If you DM or email anyone, it's going to come to me. So we can have a nice little chat if anyone has any questions. Awesome. That's great. That's the perk of a small business also. Like, it's, you know, I'm the one in the DMs. Yeah. (laughs) Literally, like, I still handwrite things you cards like everyone still gets something that I send because I want that touch point I want people to feel like they're laying the brick down with us not 
you know, you're emailing some customer support team. How many times you've done that? And you're like, God, is anyone ever going to answer me? Mm-hmm. No, that's not how you're going to build a really good business. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This was incredible. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.